to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, it's on page 685 in your Bibles. This last Thursday was a lot of fun. My son Ben and I went to McDonald Pontiac over on State Street in Saginaw. And there was an open house and, and they invited a lot of kids. And so Ben and I went and we got to hear John Kuster. John is the head coach for the Detroit Pistons. And I think I'm pronouncing that name right, but nobody seems to be able to tell me how to pronounce it. So anybody know? Okay, John Kuster, that's what we'll call it, okay? I, even the guy who was introducing him said it three different ways and couldn't quite get it right, so we don't quite know. But anyways, we met John. John's an amazing guy, and John was talking about his story of when he played in high school and then he played in college at North Carolina, and then from there he went on to uh, pro, you know, he played pro basketball. Then after that, after three years of, of playing professional, then he started coaching in college and then coached for NBA, and he just kind of just kept moving up. And it was really fun to hear that story. And when we got done, Ben and I were walking away. And I said, you know, Ben, it's kind of interesting. Did you hear anything about God in any of that? And he said, no. And I'm not picking on John because I think John did an amazing job. But today I want to talk about God and God in our life. And what place does God have in our life? Now, I think you'll agree with me that John, as an NBA coach, wants to see his team win. Would, would you agree with that? In fact, I think he wants to be number one. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's right. And in fact, every time that they play, he wants to win. No matter what, he wants to win. I mean, that just kind of goes along with, with coaching. And one of the reasons why John was asked to be the Pistons coach, and he took the job last year in July of 2009, was because he has this incredible record of over the last 12 years, he's brought teams to the playoff over the last 11. And so they're hoping that he's going to take them all the way. So the goal is, is he wants to be number one. Well, I think you understand that. How many teams can be number one when it's all said and done? One, that's right. Well, think about NASCAR for a minute. I mean, how many drivers can be in first place? One. At any one time, only one can be there. I mean, football games were played yesterday, football games are played today. How many teams are going to be in number one? One. That's right. That's why it's number one, because there's only one. All right, now scan ahead. Kurt likes this part of the story, uh, because scan ahead to February, and it's the Super Bowl time, and it's not the Packers in the Super Bowl, it's the Lions and the Bears. All right, now some of you are laughing like that's, you know, that's not going to happen. Now, just imagine this scenario, okay? It's fourth quarter, scores 21 all, there's two minutes to play, and the Lions have the ball. Now, just imagine if the head coach of the Lions called timeout and ran over to Lovey Smith for the Bears and said, uh, I have an idea. Let's stop now. We don't want any losers. We want everybody to be champions. So let's just share the championship and we'll both be number one. You think that would fly? Of course it wouldn't. I mean, the fans would go crazy, okay? Because everybody wants to be number one. Is that right? Yeah. All right. Matthew chapter 6, 
the question that I have for you that I want you to ponder during this message is in your life, who's number one? Be honest. Who's really number one? Okay, chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus is teaching about all kinds of different topics. And then he says this in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, the title for this message is called The Treasure Principle. And I've I've been pondering that all week long. What's the treasure principle? And Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Now, what was he talking about? It's kind of interesting. I, I went and did some homework to find out why did Jesus say the things he did? Because in that day and age, if let's say you were working and you made a lot of money and you brought that money home, uh, it was probably the worst thing that could ever happen. Even though you'd want to have money, you didn't want to have money. Because you made the strong box in your house and you would put your money in the strong box, kind of like a safe, but they weren't safe like they are today. So you put your money in the strong box and while you were sleeping or while you were working, somebody would come to your house and literally dig a hole through your wall and get to your safe box and they would steal your money. So he said, why are you storing up money for people to break into your house and steal it? Well, then some people did this. They would exchange their money for clothes because because precious garments and clothes were worth a lot of money. Well, what do you do with all those clothes? If you keep them home, somebody's going to break in and steal the clothes. So they would take their clothes, they put them into like a barrel, okay, and then they would bury them in the ground so that nobody could steal them. But then what would happen? The moss would come and ruin all the clothes. Well, if you kept your money with you, then remember the Good Samaritan story when they came and they beat the guy up? Well, if you kept your money with you, they were going to steal it and beat you up. So you couldn't do that. Well, then some people would take them and trade them in for precious metals. And then because those would hold their value. And then they would bury them so that nobody could find them. But Jesus told us what happens to them. They rust. So it's like if you had money in your pockets, what do you do? Now, what would happen is people were getting consumed with their money. If they had money, it's all they could think about. Well, who's going to take it from me? Who's going to beat me up for it? Um, are the moths ruining my clothes? Is the rust ruining the precious metals? There's no banks. There's no FDIC insurance. There's no stock market. There's no mutual funds. There's none of, none of those things. Where we have all those things today, which in many ways makes it worse. You see, we can be guilty of the same thing that was happening in this day and age, except they were concerned about all the stuff that could happen to their money. We could just quietly in our hearts do the same thing. And God said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is too. Now, let's go on. We're going to skip over the next couple verses. Jump down to verse 24. No one can serve two masters. 
Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Now, it seems kind of funny. What do you mean you can't serve both God and money? What does that mean? Well, here's what it really means simply. Who's number one? See, what has number one in your place, in your heart and in your life? Does God have number one? Or someone else? Or something else? See, if you're in debt, look at that credit card over there. Everybody debt free. Why? Why are we pushing so hard for the next five years to help everybody get out of debt? Because do you realize that if you have debt of any sorts, that's who's in number one. And that's not your choice. You made that choice to take that mortgage out. You made that choice to swipe your credit card. You made that choice to buy that vehicle. You made those choices to go into debt. And as soon as you did, you placed them number one. And God says that they have now become your master and we have become its slave. And God doesn't want that. God doesn't want you to put someone else or something else in number one position. But you did when you went into debt. Because it's your master, the bank, who if you choose not to make a payment, they're going to come in and take your house. And kick you out of it and say it's our house. Even if you only owe a dollar on it and you paid the rest of it off, they can still come in and kick you out of your house. If you have a vehicle and you choose not to make the payments when they want you to make the payments, they can come and take your vehicle, pick it up, and take it away. And it's theirs. And they'll send you the bill. If you have credit cards, they can call you. Now, there's all kinds of laws about harassment, but they do call you and they do harass you. Why? Because they're the master. And you've willingly put them in first place. And that's why God says, let no debt remain outstanding. God doesn't want us to put something else in the number one position where we're serving it or serving the bank or serving the credit card companies. God wants to be that number one position. So the first step is we've got to get ourselves out of debt so that we have a choice on who's in that number one position. Then it comes down to who are you going to put in that position? Are you going to assume that position and say, I'm going to do things the way that I want? Or am I going to allow God to be in that first position and then I'm going to do what God wants me to do? Turn over, if you will, go further in Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 22, page 699. Now here's very simply what the treasure principle is. Is who's number one? Who has that place? And it's a choice that we all make. Now some in chapter 6 or 22, verse 24, verse 34, excuse me. They were talking to Jesus and it says this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees... The Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
Now, this is very similar because they asked him, um, of all the commandments, you know, and there's a lot of commandments in the Old Testament, not just the Ten Commandments. There's a lot of commandments. Which is the most important? And Jesus superseded it all. And basically, he said, you know what? Let's just get first things first. If you do the first one, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then he's number one. Right? Would you agree with that? And then he said, and by the way, here's number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, he didn't say this. As I started thinking about this, this is almost more of our reality, isn't it? Imagine if you said to Jesus, hey, Jesus, um, what's the greatest commandment? Imagine if Jesus would have said this. Uh, look out for number one. Hoard everything you got. And then uh, if there's a little extra over left over, um, throw me in the mix. And yet if you think about it, does that almost sound a little bit more like what we do? Look out for what I want. I'm going to do what I want first. And then, Jesus, I, I have all this stuff. I, I got to protect it. Got to watch out for it. And, okay, I'll give you a little leftover. See, depending on who's number one will determine how you act, what comes out. What we read in Matthew chapter 6 is Jesus said, you know what, there's a solution to this, this money issue. He says, you put me first, and then you give it away. Because if you give it away, nobody can steal it. Nobody can take it. The rust can't destroy it. The moths can't eat it. Just do what I do. And God is a very giving, generous God. And says, give it away. And why is it so hard? Why is it so hard for all of us? Because sometimes we're scared that we're not going to have enough. We're scared God's not going to take care of us. We're scared and fear drives us. But God says, you just put me number one. Let me take that number one position. That's the treasure principle. Because if God's number one, that's where our heart is then. And God has our heart. But when something else is in number one, then we get all this weirdness that follows. See, it will reflect, our life will reflect who's in number one. L let me illustrate this. Yesterday, for a membership class, a membership seminar, uh, Pastor Kurt said, draw grace. That's hard to do. How do you draw grace? What's the picture that comes to mind? Draw grace. How do you do that? Well, God gave me this picture. He gave me a showerhead picture. Just a showerhead. And all these people, and they're all being rained on. They're being showered upon. See, we have a God who loves to give. And he just gives, 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 gives to believers, unbelievers, everybody in the world. He just gives. Why? Because it's an expression of God. And you know why? Because who's number one in God's eyes? Us. 
See, we're number one in God's eyes. And so God just lavishes us, showers upon us all of his grace. That's what comes out. And if God's number one, then what should be coming out of us? Grace and mercy and forgiveness and love and kindness and compassion and tithing and generosity and a heart for God. That's what should be coming out. But you know what happens when we're number one? Or our money is number one? You know what we do? We shut it off. So that we don't lose all that stuff. Are you with me? And I think we wrestle with this. Unless maybe I'm the only one in this whole room that wrestles. God wants to be number one. And it's so hard to keep God number one. Because I keep wanting to jump in that number one position. Because when God's there, then, then I'm saying to God, okay, I'm going to follow you and do what you want me to do. And I'm going to allow you to be the leader and guide my life. And when God says, then give, then I give. God says love, then you love. When God says forgive, you forgive. But we'd rather assume that position and shut the valve off. It's so much easier. Turn, if you will, to the Old Testament with me for a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Moses was talking, and it's a very interesting place in the Bible. And I'm going to read through quite a bit of chapter 8. Because I think you're going to find that it might be you and I in this picture. And it's the same principle, it's the treasure principle, but it was a treasure principle of the Old Testament. It's on page 131, Deuteronomy chapter 8, God says this. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Okay, just pause there. He's saying be what? Careful. What does that mean? Look out. Listen carefully. Hey, you better listen up because something might happen here. And he's saying, follow every command. In other words, God is saying, be careful to keep me number one and follow what I'm directing you. Okay, verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands. So for the last 40 years, God said he was testing them to determine who was number one in their life. Verse 3, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Now, what does all that mean? 
He's very simply, Moses is saying, when God is number one, these are all the things that God does. He just gives freely and generously. Because we're number one in God's eyes. Verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Do we have a good land? Has God blessed us? You bet he has. I mean, the wealthiest country, I think, in the world. God has blessed us immeasurably. Be careful. Here it is again. Verse 11. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Is that danger for us? That warning for us? See, God said, keep him number one. But after we have eaten and are satisfied, God said, be careful that he's not taken out of that number one position and something else put into that position. Be careful that we don't put ourselves into that position. Be careful that we don't put creditors into that position and banks. Be careful we don't put someone else in that position because then whoever's in that number one position determines how we live our life. God gave us so generously. I mean, God has been generous with forgiveness. God has been generous with grace and kindness and forgiveness and mercy. God has showered upon us all these things. Can I ask you a real simple question? Who really is in that number one position in your life? And all you have to do is look at how you're living your life and that will determine who's really in that number one position. And maybe today's the day that you and God have to change places. Maybe today's the day that you say, you know what, I am going to get out of debt so that God can get back into that place because I took God out and I let creditors get in that position. Or maybe today's the day that you just, something else is there and you said, you know what, God, my addiction can't be in number one place anymore. God, I want you in that position. And maybe today's the day that you say to God, all right, God, help me along the way here. Let's put you back in the position that you belong in, in first place. Amen? Let's pray. God, it's so easy to let someone else take first place. Boy, God, every swipe of the credit card, we don't even realize we're putting a bank in the first place. And that's so easy to do. Help us to be mindful, God, not to put anybody in first place except you. 
And Lord, it's so hard because we keep wrestling you. We arm wrestle you for first place. We want to be in first place because then we get to decide how we live our life instead of allowing you to be in first place and you determining how we live our life. May we put you there and honor you as God and live our life in honor and glory to your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. We've got